Chapter 3 When we reached the fence, Mallory pulled open the gate, which was not locked, and moved it out of the way. The area underneath the overpass was cavernous, with mounds of dirt piled high like makeshift walls. The dirt was piled so high that it prevented any natural light from getting in, but I could see faint shadows dancing on the ceiling, and I could hear voices talking excitedly up ahead. As we stepped into the underpass labyrinth, I noticed that the cold, damp, earthen walls had deep gouges that ran their entire length, as if someone had dug their fingers into them and drugged them along as they walked. There was also what appeared to be glyphs and runes etched into the walls. If it hadn't been for the rumbling of traffic overhead or the distant honking of horns, we might have been explorers investigating some distant cave that once housed a long-forgotten people. I felt a sense of dread deep within me, as if my body knew I shouldn't be there. Each step forward took conscious effort, and if it hadn't been for Mallory pushing me forward, I don't think I could have mustered the courage. The smell of the place was overwhelming. At first, all I could smell was earth and a thick musk that turned my stomach. Every sense in my body told me to run, to get the hell out of there. But one look at Mallory stilled my resolve, and I stayed by his side. As we got further in, something delicious hit my nostrils. It was unexpected and out of place. By the time we reached the far end of the tunnel, the voices got much louder. In fact, they sounded quite raucous. Mallory reached out an arm to pull me back and position himself in front as we rounded a corner. The tunnel opened into a large space which was lit up by fires blazing in three rusty metal barrels. A dozen people stood around the room talking noisily, and sure enough, a small ragged-looking man was tending a large, skewered roast that was rotating over one of the flames. To be quite honest, they all looked ragged, but I guess that was to be expected of people who hung out under overpasses. There was a large man sitting near the back who seemed to notice us first. He stood up and pushed his way past two of the others, who seemed to be on the brink of fighting each other. The large man was wearing a tattered and stained off-white, long-sleeve, insulated shirt under a blue jean jacket with cut-off sleeves. Long, greasy blonde hair fell down his unkempt face, giving him a menacing look. Lord, he's massive, I thought to myself as the man approached. Everyone else in the room immediately stopped what they were doing when they saw him. Silence fell and every single pair of eyes in the room turned to us. Mallory Moran, supernatural dick. You better have a good reason for coming into my den, the man said. His voice rumbled like thunder. A shiver ran up my spine. Easy, Oswald. I come in peace, Mallory said holding his hand up in the air in a gesture of goodwill. Mallory started towards the center of the cavernous room, and I'm not embarrassed to say that I pressed myself against the back wall, hoping to avoid notice. There were six men and five women that I could see spread out around the room watching what was taking place. All but a few of the onlookers were abnormally large and muscular. What kind of homeless bodybuilder convention have I stumbled onto here? I couldn't help but wonder. The man called Oswald stepped forward until it was right in front of Mallory. The top of Mallory's head just barely reached the man's chin. Oswald was well over six and a half feet tall. Everyone in the room seemed to hold their breath as the two men stood chest to chest. I could feel the tension, which hung thick over the room. And just when I was sure that Oswald was about to swing on Mallory, the large man's head cocked curiously to the side, and his eyes landed right on me. Who's the pup? Oswald asked. And the tension in the room seemed to lessen for everyone everyone except me. My heart tried to pound its way out of my chest. Mallory turned his head to look back at me, and a smirk crept across his face. That shy individual was my new assistant, Saturday Shepherd. 
Saturday, meet Oswald Steele, Alpha of the Strays. Oswald swept his glance back towards Mallory, who stepped back to put a little more space between them. Some of the others in the room stepped closer to the two men, forming almost a half circle between them and the fire pits. I know you didn't come all this way for introductions, so what the hell do you want? Oswald said. I'm here for the girl, said Mallory, his voice steady and confident. Oswald looked around the room. You'll have to be more specific. We have a lot of girls. Laughter erupted from around the room, and one of the bigger guys, a dark-skinned man with a face full of scars, chimed in with a, Yeah, we do. Specifically, I'm looking for this girl. Mallory held on his phone and showed a picture of to Oswald. Her name is Maria Alvarez. There was a sound of scraping of boots, and I saw someone stand up among the shadows in the far corner of the room. Oswald glanced at the phone ever so briefly and looked back at Mallory. Waco, you ever seen this girl? The black man with a scarred face stepped over to Oswald and peered into the phone. The light from the phone reflecting on his face made it look even more unnatural. Oh yeah, that's Manny's girl. What do you want with her? I am here in representation of her mother, who has asked me to bring her home, and I intend to do so, said Mallory. Like hell you are, said a voice from the farthest and darkest corner of the room. Another powerfully built man stepped into the firelight. This guy looked much younger than the rest, probably only a couple of years older than me, and he didn't have nearly as many scars as the others. The newcomer was wearing tight black sweatpants, and he was shirtless, and he was also completely shredded. I mean, he made the jocks from school look tiny in comparison. Trailing close behind him was Maria Alvarez. She was not as small in stature as her mother, but she appeared doubly so, standing among this crowd. She was wearing short denim shorts and a navy blue sweater. Her long black hair was pulled tight in a bun on top of her head. No one can have what is mine, especially some creepy old man, Manny Spat. Mallory looked completely offended. You must be Manny, he said, and Manny grunted in acknowledgement. Well, I must admit I don't appreciate the old man jab. Another day in time, I would have to teach you a lesson. But alas, there's a worried mother out there waiting for us. Maria, if you'd be so kind as to join me, I'd like to get you back as soon as possible, as promised. Maria stepped around Manny. I like it here, she said. But Manny pulled her back behind him and told her to be quiet. Maria rolled her eyes at being ignored and swatted Manny's hand away. Oz, you could have let this outsider come in here and walk all over us? Manny asked the Alpha. Mallory also turned to Oswald. The girl's only 17, and her mother wants her home. I am taking her home. I cringed. Oswald didn't seem like the kind of guy who liked people giving him orders, but he stood there silently, a breath away from violence. After a few long moments, a devious smile cracked Oswald's hard face, giving it an eerily unnatural look. He started to laugh, and it was as if someone had ran an ice cube down my back. Well, boys, it looks like we will have some entertainment tonight after all. You know how we do things, Moran. Now someone bring me a drink. Oswald snatched a slab of nearly raw meat from off one of the skewers and leaned against the wall, tearing chunks off of it with his teeth. I wasn't sure what had just happened, but I could feel the energy in the room shift. Everyone jumped up and down in anticipation. Mallory walked over to where I was standing, but I was so enthralled by what was taking place I barely even noticed. Manny stepped forward, while everyone else backed up, forming a tight ring around the room. Manny strolled around the circle, flexing his muscles. 
As the firelight illuminated his body, I could make out jagged scars running across his abdomen. The white lines stood out like tattoos on his otherwise tan skin. Shouts and howls erupted from the bystanders as they pushed and jostled each other as if in some sort of tribal celebration. It was overwhelmingly raw and primal. Saturday, Mallory said, raising his voice and it snapped me back to reality. I need my bag. Shaking my head to clear it as if I'd been in a trance, I dropped Mallory's bag onto the dirt floor. Mallory bent down and began to search through it. I noticed him pull something small and shiny out of it and put it into his pocket. Mallory took off his jacket and folded it before placing it inside of his bag. Listen to me closely, Saturday, he said as he stood up, placing his hands on my shoulders and looking me right in the eyes. Your eyes have been lying to you for years now. Your eyes and your mind have colluded against you to protect you, but they can't protect you anymore. You have to learn to protect yourself. I didn't comprehend what Mallory was trying to tell me. He sounded like a madman, but he looked deadly serious. There was something in Mallory's eyes that spoke to me. It would not allow me to simply dismiss his words. What are you talking about? I asked nervously. Mallory's grip on my shoulders tightened, and he leaned in even closer so I could feel his breath. I need you to see. He smiled reassuringly and let go of my shoulders. I believe in you, Saturday Shepherd. Believe in me. He patted my cheek and stepped around to face the crowd. Mallory walked slowly towards Manny, who stood in the center of the room, surrounded by a dozen or so onlookers. As he got closer, I really began to appreciate how much bigger Manny was than Mallory. I had no desire to watch what was about to happen, but Mallory had told me he wanted me to see it, to see something. When Mallory and Manny were within an arm's reach of each other, the man called Waco stepped forward. Say the words, Waco said. Mallory stopped walking and finished rolling up his sleeves. He looked up at the powerfully built man standing before him. Challenge, is all Mallory said before it began. The words had barely left Mallory's lips when Manny's fist crashed into his face with a sickening crack. My eyes closed reactively, and I was certain that when they opened, I would see Mallory's lifeless body lying there. However, when I opened them, a heartbeat later, Mallory was already picking himself up off the dirt, blood dripping from his mouth, and Manny circled him cockily. Mallory pushed himself up to his knees, wiping the blood from his mouth with his left hand. His right hand was in his pocket. That's it? You done already? Manny spat. Old man, he added with a laugh, and he turned to show off for the gathered crowd. Mallory reached his feet with surprising strength. Manny turned to face him. A bloodthirsty smile etched across his face. He lunged for Mallory with unbridled ferocity and a speed which should be impossible for someone of his size. Surprisingly, Mallory moved just an instant quicker. Mallory moved his head just enough to cause Manny's blow to careen off to his left. Mallory brought his own fist up in a blur. When he did, I could just make out a glint as the firelight reflected off of a ring he was wearing. When Mallory's fist connected with Manny's chin, a deafening sound like metal hitting metal, a sledgehammer against an anvil, filled the room. Manny dropped to the ground, lifeless for an instant. The room went completely silent as everyone drew in a collective breath. Mallory stepped back defensively, and I was able to see his hand clearly. He wasn't wearing a ring, but instead 
It was what looked to be a shiny pair of brass knuckles, except they didn't appear to be made of brass. They looked more like silver. Something shifted in the room. The chanting stopped. Everything felt more serious now, and it seemed to me as if the temperature had ridden substantially. I'd done nothing but hold up a wall and beads of sweat were dripping down my back. Unbelievably, Manny rose to his feet. His back was to me, so I couldn't see what damage had been done to his face. What I did see was horrifying enough. Manny was emitting a low, guttural growl as he stood, and his body began to shift and contort as his powerful figure seemed to become even larger, impossibly large. Manny's spine seemed to pop and crack as a large ridge erupted up his back, which was now covered in thick, dark hair. As Manny turned back to face Mallory, I felt the fear rise in me that froze me in my place. I tried to scream, but couldn't. Everything within me begged for me to run, but I couldn't. Manny's face contorted into a twisted visage. His eyes were glowing a deep gold, and crimson blood poured from his open maw, which was elongated with a row of dagger-like fangs protruding out of it. A deep open gash along his chin smoked and hissed. Manny bared his fangs at Mallory, who bravely stood his ground. "'You dare, you silver!' said Manny in a voice so ragged and low that it was inhuman. The words came out thick and barely recognizable. He raked his hands out towards Mallory, hands that had doubled in size, with razor-sharp claws protruding from his long, thick fingers. Thankfully, Mallory jumped back, and the claws cut harmlessly through the air. Werewolf. That's the only word that came into my mind, and I would have felt like a fool if I hadn't been so afraid. The word played over and over in my mind on repeat. I kept telling myself that it was impossible, but everything happening right now was impossible, yet it was happening. Only one thing made sense, and that was for me to flee, so I ran straight for the exit. Mallory had told me not to run, but I didn't care. I didn't even think about it. I just ran. I stayed close to the wall, hoping everyone would be too distracted to see me leave. When I turned to give the room one last glance, hoping to see Mallory running away as well. I crashed into something solid and fell hard onto the dirt. My head bounced violently off compacted earth and my vision swam. The blurry form of a woman picked me up off the ground by the collar and dragged me back into the room. As my vision slowly corrected itself, I could see Mallory and Manny circling one another. Mallory's shirt was in tatters, nearly completely shredded, but he was alive. It seemed as if Mallory was just fast enough to stay out of the range of Manny's claws. But I wondered how long that could last. It was obvious that if Mallory slowed it all, it would only take one swipe from those vicious claws to do some serious, life-ending damage. It seemed like Manny knew this as well, as it appeared that he was not fully committing to his attacks, just harassing Mallory and forcing him to use up his energy to evade the attacks and wear himself out. Mallory ripped away the fragments of his remaining dress shirt, revealing his own fair share of scars, both old and new. Manny, in his twisted form, was hunched over. His claws dug into the ground. He looked ready to pounce. Hot saliva and blood dripped from Manny's teeth, and the crimson droplets steamed as they hit the ground. Mallory, unbelievably, removed the silver knuckles from his hand and pocketed them. Manny looked shocked, as much as a monster possibly could look shocked. After a heartbeat, the shock wore off and he started to laugh. 
There was no humor in the laugh, no remorse or pity. It was the laugh of a jackal, the laugh of a predator amused by the frailty of its prey. Mallory clasped his hands together and closed his eyes, as if to embrace the blow that was to come. Whether it was fear or curiosity that kept my eyes open, I'm not sure, but I watched. Manny attacked, lunging for Mallory, who rolled out of the way just in time. Mallory rolled over to where his bag lay open. He plunged his hand inside and pulled out a brilliant beam of light that seemed to materialize in his hand. The glow of the light lessened, and in its place was a hardened silver blade about three feet long. The firelight reflected off of the blade's razor-sharp edge. There was a loud collective inhale of breath from around the room. Oswald, whose feet I had laid at, made no sound at all. Manny charged. Mallory rolled under his attack, bringing his sword up to slice across Manny's abdomen as he did. Manny came up clutching the new gash that popped and sizzled where the silver had touched him. I could feel hackles rising around the room. Maria, who stood next to me, looked bored by the whole thing. She didn't seem heartbroken to see her boyfriend getting cut, or horrified to see him become a monster straight out of a nightmare. It was safe to say this wasn't the first time that she'd seen this kind of thing. Manny let out a horrific howl that sent a tremor of terror through me. Manny seemed to have completely lost control. He lashed out wildly with great ferocity, but not much accuracy. Mallory was moving in and out of Manny's reach, using his silver blade to cause shallow cuts to blossom up across whichever parts of Manny he could connect. Blood flowed from the cuts and dripped down onto the floor, creating a clay-colored mud in which they battled. Their fighting styles could not have been more different. Mallory had thus far managed to avoid maiming somehow, and Manny seemed to be slowing from his wounds. Manny made one last-ditch effort to bring Mallory down. He charged, and when Mallory spun to move out of the way, his foot slipped in the muck. Mallory went down to one knee with a painful gasp. Manny connected. The beast hit Mallory hard, and both men went tumbling backward, each fighting desperately to end up on top. They broke loose from one another, and Mallory sprang to his feet, but not fast enough. Manny grabbed him roughly by the shoulders and threw him into the wall. Mallory hit the wall with a sickening thud, and Manny was on him immediately. Manny drew his claws back, ready to bring them down in a killing blow. I was sure that this was the end of Mallory Moran, but Manny's hands never came down. They stayed up in the air, long claws dripping crimson red blood. When Manny backed up slowly, I could see why. Mallory held his blade with the edge pressed right against Manny's throat. The area where the silver touched his skin smoked and hissed. Relent, Mallory ordered. The room went silent. The only sound that could be heard were the heaving breaths being taken by the two combatants. As Manny stepped back, trying to edge away from the silver blade, he seemed to shrink and slowly returned to his normal size, which, while still massive, was not nearly as imposing by comparison. Relent, Mallory ordered again. Manny twisted in pain, unable to pull himself away from the lethal metal of Mallory's blade. Fine, I relent, he said, his voice agony. Mallory withdrew the blade. Manny clutched at the spot where it had been. He rubbed it, trying to stave off the pain. Manny's body was a bloody mess. He bled from dozens of cuts. A normal man would not have been able to survive that much blood loss, but I now knew these were anything but normal men. You can have her. I was done with her anyway, Manny spat. Mallory looked at him and shook his head somberly. 
You know when you're beaten. That's good, Mallory said. But you don't know when to shut up. Another lesson for another day, perhaps. Come along, Maria, if you would. You too, Saturday. I pushed myself up off the ground, dusting myself off before joining Mallory. There was a stunned silence around the room. A few of the younger men looked murderous. The man called Waco stepped forward, ushering Maria to join Mallory. Go on, girl. You're not to return. Got it? Waco said. Maria shuffled her feet somberly, but didn't protest. Manny didn't so much as look in her direction. Mallory, his blade having been returned to his bag, picked his jacket up off the ground and put it around her shoulders. Let's get you home. Saturday, my bag, please, Mallory said. I bent down to pick up the duffel bag and followed closely after them. We'd only taken a few steps towards the door when a low, visceral growl caused me to turn in time to see Manny's powerful form flash past me toward Mallory. My voice caught in my throat as I tried to call out, and it would have been fast enough to alert Mallory anyway. Manny pounced, and Mallory turned too late. Far too late. The moment seemed to hang in the air. When Manny was jerked back midair inches away from Mallory, as Oswald gripped him tightly by the throat, Oswald slammed Manny up against the dirt wall and pressed his face right up against Manny's eyes locked. You will honor the challenge, Oswald ordered. His voice ragged and dangerous. Manny whimpered, struggling futilely to escape his alpha's vice-like grip. You will learn, little wolf, or you will be culled. Oswald stared silently into Manny's eyes. Mallory grabbed me by the arm and pulled me along. With Maria in tow, we all left the den of the strays. Outside, the sun had given way to the moon, and what few stars that you can see in the city were visible overhead. Mallory's car sat right where we had left it, no worse for the wear, which by the look of this neighborhood was a miracle. Mallory held the door open for Maria, who slid into the back seat while I deposited the duffel bag back into the trunk. Before shutting it, Mallory dug around and pulled out a spare t-shirt and put it on. Mallory also placed his silver knuckles back into the bag. At this point, I was barely holding it together with a mixture of shock and adrenaline and finally found myself alone with my thoughts in the silence of the car. Images of what I had witnessed flooded my mind. Everything I thought possible and impossible was suddenly a lie. The images flashed over and over in fast repetition. I could feel my hands start to sweat and my chest tightened as if someone were squeezing it. I struggled to breathe. My vision began to blur. I placed my hands against the dashboard for support. Is he okay? The voice was Maria's, but it was muffled and distant. I turned my head to face her and everything blurred. Mallory said something, but it sounded like an echo of an echo. The world went black.